Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business of Design. Just two days before the big Christmas holidays, and I hope you are taking care of yourself and charging your creative battery and spending time with family and friends and just loving yourself because you've probably worked so hard this year. I know that I have, and I'm looking forward to cuddling up with my family for a few days. Uh, A few days of unrestrained playtime. Can't wait. As you head into the holidays, though, I'm so happy you're here because this episode is really good. Episode number 144 and 145, because this is a two-parter. So we're going to start out with clearing up confusion around hourly fees versus flat fees. But then Mary Lou has other questions and in the second part of this episode, which will air next week, so the two are back-to-back, 144 and 145, she's also going to give us the most amazing, incredible idea that we can all do immediately to re-engage with clients. I just loved this idea. So we sometimes split the podcast into two parts if the information is valuable and if we feel it's going to get so long, it'll be too hard for you to listen to it in your commute to the office or your commute to client job sites. So definitely worth listening to both parts with Mary Lou Sobel. Episode 144 and 145, I've got some questions. So Mary Lou is an interior design professional in Sydney, Australia. She does beautiful high-end projects. She's well-known and respected for the work that she does. And she reached out after the two podcasts with Tim Williams and said, Kimberly, I'm more confused than ever. Do I charge hourly? Do I charge a flat fee? I'm not sure what to do. She wasn't the only one. So we thought, okay, let's take care of this right now. You're going to hear Mary Lou ask some questions and get some clarification around the conversation I had with Tim. And for the record, Tim Williams, one of the smartest guys I know and somebody I will be working with one-on-one in 2020. Can't wait to work with him. But he's a bit unfamiliar with our industry and therefore we had some gaps in what he was teaching us in terms of of how it might apply to the interior design industry. So Tim and I are going to work together and kind of fill in those gaps and make sure that then we fill you in. But in the meantime, Mary Lou is going to clear up some of her confusion. And I think that will help address the conundrum of should I charge a flat fee or should I charge an hourly fee? So I'm excited for you to hear this episode and meet Mary Lou. She's wonderful. Can't say enough nice things about her and can't say enough nice things about this woman you're going to hear from next. Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations at Business of design. Hey, Cheryl, do you know what tomorrow is? It's the holidays. I can't believe it. And the start of two weeks off for the kids. (laughs) Oh, dear. That doesn't seem like a holiday for mom. (laughs) I loved the Christmas holidays, but I remember just being exhausted when the kids were little. By the time it was over, I was so happy to send them back to school. (laughs) Well, Christmas Eve is the big holiday for us, even more so than Christmas Day. So tomorrow's a big day for our family. All right. Well, we'll get right to announcements. It's going to be all about the conference. We are really close to selling out, but what's happening? 
Well, I actually, you know what? I figured everyone is in holiday mode, that things would be slowing down and we'll pick back up with the conference in the new year. But I've had so many members reaching out because they're, they want to get their flights booked and their hotels booked because it's year end and people want the write-offs now. And Business of Design Conference is a business write-off. The entire trip to Las Vegas is a business write-off. Yeah, absolutely. So get those dollars spent this year so you don't have to pay taxes. Yes, we do. And we are, we're very close to sold out. We only have about a handful of spots left and I've had so many inquiries. So uh, if you're thinking about joining, now is the time and bonus, get those expenses in at the end of 2019. All right, the conference again, January 25th and 26th, $1,395. I guarantee it will change your life. I'm really excited this morning. Somebody who's been a member since 2004 signed up. So that's really amazing, gratifying to know that there's still things you can learn if you've been a member since 2004. And there's, I'm still learning things. I've been working with different coaches in the last two years, and the conference is going to be totally new material. So uh, anyway, this is going to be a great experience. Don't miss out. And we keep adding to the details on the website. The full itinerary is there. So make sure you check it out, businessofdesign.com. And again, it's January 25th and 26th, right in Las Vegas market. That's another question we're getting. What hotel is it at? It's not. It's um, it's right in Las Vegas market. So you'll have access to all of their hotel discounts, book through their site um, and stay anywhere in the area. So thirteen ninety five. January 25th and 26th, head to businessofdesign.com to register. But we're all staying at the win. And that reminds me, there's the most incredible massage therapist at the win named Lisa. So I got to book a massage. Do you want a massage? Totally. Oh, yeah, let's God. do that. Lisa. Okay. I'm going to make that call right after this. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. And whatever you're celebrating, we're so glad you're celebrating with us. Yes, and we'll see a lot of you in the new year in Las Vegas. Woohoo! Now go wrap presents. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. I know you've all heard the commercial uh, that comes at the beginning of the show and the tagline, we all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. When that was proposed to me as our tagline, I cried because that was how I felt. So alone, I didn't matter. I was always caught between clients and trades and suppliers, and I was so alone without the resources I needed to feel powerful in the space so I could do my best work. And that really is what this community is about, getting you in position to do your very best work. Designers matter too. That's you and that's me. 
And that's why I'm so particular about who comes on the podcast. So if you have an amazing guest, we would love to hear from that guest. Uh, But not everybody who fills out an application to be a guest at Business of Design's podcast is accepted. If they don't have actionable advice, it just isn't going to work for this audience. I respect you too much. I know your time is valuable. And I want to make sure the content we bring you matters and is meaningful. And so we would love your help finding those guests you think really have something great to say. We're also as picky, equally picky about who we allow to be a sponsor of the podcast. And most of the companies that approach us to sponsor the Business of Design podcast are not a fit. And they're not a fit if what they provide isn't 100% beneficial to you, the hardworking interior design professional. I say this all the time, integrity is very expensive. If I want to have integrity in this community and protect the messaging of this show, I can't just accept easy money. I have to be very selective about who we put in front of you. But I can wholeheartedly endorse Build Lane, which is why they've been our sponsor for a few months now, and they will be a sponsor at Business of Design's conference. I've had the pleasure of working professionally with Build Lane and had a great experience. I'm currently placing my second order with Build Lane, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really enthusiastic about how keen they are to work only and exclusively with our industry. And that is translated into them really hearing us when we ask for changes to the app that allows us to order furniture. And Frank and Heather have been working so hard with their team of developers to introduce and launch a new version of the app, which is going to be more intuitive and allow better streamlined communications between the designer and Build Lane. Thank you so much for being responsive, Build Lane. I love working with you. We're very grateful you sponsor the podcast. We're very grateful you're sponsoring the conference. And thank you so much for launching the new app at Business of Design's conference, January 25th and 26th. If you want to know more about Build Lane, you have to go to their website, buildlane.com. If you sign up for a free account, backslash BOD, you will automatically be eligible to take $250 off your first order. So give it a try. What are you waiting for? And for those of you at the conference, you are going to get the most valuable checklist ever that walks you step by step through ordering custom upholstered furniture. Can't wait to unleash this baby. It's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. I was talking about it with Frank yesterday and I was saying that I would have spent any amount of money to get my hands on something like that when I first started out. It would have saved me a lot of confusion and a lot of costly mistakes. So thank you, Build Lane. Happy holidays to you. We love the partnership with Business of Design, and we're really excited about the future for Build Lane. So you guys go check them out and support them. And now I've got some questions with Mary Lou Sobel. Thanks for being here, everyone. Mary Lou, great to see you again. Great to see you too, Kimberly. We're looking at each other via Zoom, everyone. So uh, do not adjust your dials. You can't see us, but I can tell you we look fabulous. Especially me, yeah. in the morning. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so you and I had a chance to go for coffee when I was in Sydney, which was lovely. And since that time, you've made some changes in your business, and you 
had some questions, like a lot of people did, following the podcast we did with Tim Williams about value-based fees. So we thought, well, why not just address them out loud? Because if you have questions, other people do as well. That's for sure. And listening to Tim actually confused me a lot. Um, I re-listened to both his podcasts over the weekend, Kimberly, so that I sort of refreshed in my head um, my questions. <laughs> Good. Okay, yeah. well, launch in because if it's fresh in your mind, let's just go for it. Well, one of the things that he says about charging by the hour and then not actually putting a value on that, as if to say an hourly rate is really more like being more concerned about um, your expenses and covering expenses as a, this is how I understand it, as opposed to your value as a designer and what, and your experience. I've recently spoken to a lot of high end interior designers in Sydney, who are also my friends who have very successful businesses who have now moved to hourly fees only. Some of them did, um, fee-based work before and now it's gone on to hourly so once I listened to them I was I thought well you know maybe that's the way I have to go too because I do both I work out what the job requires if it should be more an hourly based or if it should be more fee-based and I kind of learned that from you listening to um, your experience and um, I find both can be quite difficult and then I find both can be quite easy I think it depends on the clients. Some clients don't mind the hourly, some do, some mind don't mind the fees, some do. People get very nervous when you tell them that the project is going to cost them X amount um, in fees. They can't see that value. And then if you tell them you're going to be charging them by the hour, they're worried about where that will end up. Like how much would I be paying you in a year from now? How much would I have you know, paid. So um, I just don't even know anymore, which is the way to go. <laughs> I'm hoping that people listening are nodding their heads furiously. And uh, I'm certain you're not alone. So here's what I want to say at the top. Tim Williams is a really smart guy. And part of the confusion is due to the fact he doesn't work in our industry. He works in the industry of advertising and marketing. And in advertising and marketing, when you meet a client who wants to do a campaign, that campaign is going to end up on television, and they're going to put a million dollars toward that campaign in many cases. Mm -hmm. Most mm -hmm. of us are not charging design fees of $1 million. We may have projects that are million-dollar projects, but most of us are not asking for a million dollars in fees. And so there is a disconnect between what his wheelhouse is and what our wheelhouse is. And I will have Tim back um, after we do some clarifying together to come up with a better solution for our industry. So I just want to say that off the top, super smart guy. I learned a lot from him and continue to study with Tim. Now, here's where the confusion comes about. So many people who are doing hourly fees have experienced exactly what you've experienced, Alex, that clients say, well, I don't know, that seems scary. I'm going to pay you $200 an hour indefinitely forever, but how much will it be, right? And so for those people, right. they come to the conclusion then, well, it must be easier to do a flat fee because I won't have to deal with that. 
But fast forward to people who are doing a flat fee, and they have just as much difficulty with the fee conversation as those who have an hourly fee. It just looks a little bit different. So in a flat fee conversation, instead of saying I'm $200 an hour until the job is done, you have to be able to see to say this is going to be $80,000 to get you to the finish line. And that is really hard for most interior design professionals that I've met. And Mm -hmm. at that point, there's a huge danger that you're going to be afraid to state the real number and you'll fall back on or hide behind a smaller number in order to get the job and in order to avoid confrontation. So what you've just articulated is there is no perfect solution, or rather, there are two perfect solutions, but both of them involve you convincing the clients you're going to deliver value. Yeah, right. That's true. And yeah. one of the things that people who don't like hourly fee-based systems do is they, they will say things like, you set your hourly fee to cover your overhead. And therefore, you never really become profitable. But right away, that's, that's a false premise to start from because we don't set an hourly fee that just covers our overhead. We, sent, we set a healthy hourly fee that has lots of profit in it. So yes. in fact, here's the biggest dis- difference in my mind. If you are working on an hourly fee basis, the risk that fees will be great is on your client's. The risk is on the client. Yes. If you're working on a value-based fee, 100% of the risk is on you. There's no risk to the client. The client knows what they're going to pay, and so clients love it. But you, the hardworking interior design professional, have all the risk. So if you don't give the correct number, you could find yourself working six months, nine months, a year for free, right? Yep, I agree. Which is why I still say, if you don't have the confidence to go for a flat fee that's a big number and get it, you shouldn't go there. You should stick with hourly fee because you won't get hurt. That's true. Right? That's a bit like a razor blade strategy. I liked his strategy. Me too. I love that. Yes. It's very good. Kind of makes sense as well in a way but you still want to be i'm jumping a bit here but you still want to be paid for your project managing in the in the way that you deserve for the time it takes to project manage because we know how many days months and hours we spend managing a project right and then you have to be able to articulate the value of managing the project because how many times do we, we meet clients who say, oh no, we've done a renovation before, we can manage the project. And so then you find yourself in a sidecar of project management, which is the worst place to be, right? You're, you're not in control of the vehicle, but you're being bounced around and hitting every pothole and you're not making any money. So the fact yeah. of the matter is either solution comes down to having the confidence to ask for the funds you need. And both asks are equally difficult, I would say, but there's just yeah. more risk to you if you ask for a value-based fee. True. We get a lot of people at Business of Design who say, oh, I already do hourly fees, so I'm just going to skip that. I want to go straight to Business of Design's flat fee system. And we say, you're just not going to be able to do it. Because unless you have all the 
processes, the systems, the protocols, and the strategies already in place, you're not mm-hmm. ready to do flat fees. You're going to get killed. So don't do it. Start with the basics. And you can move really quickly through implementing the 15 steps, but you can't skip them. There's no shortcut. And people try right. all the time. Yeah. And it, in yeah. fact, we've even had members, you know, five, six, seven years who have skipped some of the steps because they made up in their mind that they, they didn't need it. Did They didn't want to try it. It doesn't work for them. And every single time they hit the wall, we go back to the step that's missing You because you're not doing this step. Like they're in order for a reason, right? So yeah, there's, there's just no shortcut. No. Yeah. No yeah, yeah, no, but I agree with you. While I was listening to him, um, I was very aware that he's not an interior designer and he's not in the industry and he doesn't understand the process or what's involved. Um, and so you have to kind of take what he says with a little pinch of salt for our industry because he, and he is very smart. And I liked a lot of what he said, um, you know, about who is your um, customer and the difference of efficiency and effectiveness. Um, You know, I really took a lot away from the two um, podcasts. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of thought behind the, the, his methodology, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. People ask all the time, who is your ideal client? Um, and how can you serve your ideal client? It's such an interesting question who's, you know, because, and how do you attract your ideal client? Which for me is a huge one. I know who my ideal client is, but I... Who is your ideal client? My ideal client are clients who are professionals, busy people, um, people who are aligned to my same sort of ethos. I find that my easiest clients to work with are people who trust themselves because if they trust themselves, then they will trust me more easily. The people who I work with who find it really hard to trust themselves go round and round in circles and and find it harder to make decisions. And that's my way of working it out, that it's kind of like trusting oneself first and then you can trust others. So what's an example of a client who doesn't trust themselves? How does that manifest? It manifests in the way that they just cannot make decisions and they always have to ask others. You know, you'll arrive at the meeting and they'll say, oh, I had my cousin over on the weekend and she said, why are you putting such a dark paper on the walls? You're going to lose light. And, um, so, and I say, please don't ask your cousin because your cousin's probably not an interior designer who, and that person probably hasn't had, you know, been on the process that we've been on, the design process. Um, so I think it manifests in saying, you know, show me something else. Show me, um, can I see, um, not quite sure if I like that. Um, can we see another table? Right. And just as a side note, which contract, hourly or flat fee, works best for that customer who says, show me something else. I want to see another table. Hourly fees. Absolutely. Because that's the exact customer that will ruin you with a value-based fee. Absolutely. 
And it and, and will and, ruin you even if you have two revisions or one revision or whatever language, because we all know, let's be honest here, it's just us. We've had two tequilas already. We know if that person says, show me one more, we're not going to say, I have to charge you for the time it takes to do that sourcing. We're going to show yeah. them one more. Oh, and then it's over. And then you've lost the lead. When you're describing your ideal client, it sounds to me like your ideal client is two working people. Mm-hmm. What about the or, client? Or it could be a, a busy, a very busy person. I find the housewives who aren't busy with, you know, work or another agenda do a lot of how, like background work themselves. They sit on Pinterest all the time, um, always showing me, you know, trying to show me more things even after the brief. And I haven't had very many clients of late that have not had a lot of trust in themselves, but there is an element of insecurity in all of us, I suppose. And if you're doing something you as large as a renovation or refurbishment of your house, there is an element of, you know, am I making the right choices? Of course, so, of course, of course. But all of these issues are alleviated by following Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy. These are the very issues that prompted me to create a process that was more effective. The client is so heavily invested in the process. By the time you get to that presentation, there's little to no second guessing. Or if there is second guessing, they're able to talk themselves off the ledge by reminding themselves they've hired this expert. So being the expert from the first call is actually vitally important to your success as a business owner. There's no skipping it. And what gives you confidence are systems and strategies. At least that's what gave me confidence. And in fact, I would go so far as to say that being the expert from the first meeting can turn a client who's pretty good or so-so into an ideal client because they will relax and let you do your job if you give them the message that you've got everything under control. And I don't mean the verbal message. I mean the physical, tangible message that every single solitary bit of their renovation or decorating or staging or landscaping project is in your capable hands and everything will be covered. And it's so easy to make decisions when you have all the pieces. It's impossible to make decisions when you're getting ideas one at a time. Imagine going to buy a car and they show you a steering wheel and a seat and you go, yeah, I really like those. And then three weeks later, they show you some wheels and a roof. Oh yeah, those seem nice. And then three more weeks go by and they show you the stick shift and the cup holder and the glove box. And you're like, wait a minute, does this go with the roof that I saw a month ago? I can't remember. Could you do that again? Show me again. And in the meantime, weeks and weeks are going by and they're asking everybody they know what they think about the wheel. So hold on, everyone. This is going to be shameless self-promotion and plug. But here it comes. If you're just listening to the podcast and you think you got this, please consider membership with Business of Design. Now is a great time to join because 2020 will be the best year you've ever had. And if you want a quick hit, then come to the conference. Again, totally self-serving, I get it. But I am so confident that this will change your life. I guarantee it. There you go. I will stop log rolling now. But I'll tell you, when I think about what 
business of design community has been able to accomplish. You guys send me emails and texts and Insta posts every day telling me like you are just killing it out there and you are making these changes in your business. And I'm just so excited. Even, can I say proud? I'm so proud. Some of you have known since 2004 and you are killing it and your businesses are on fire and you are the boss. And I remember what it was like when we first met. So I just, gosh, thank you so much for letting me be on this ride with all of you. And Mary Lou's got more questions ahead. Quick decision maker or firm decision maker. Right. So what I'm getting at here is the problem with defining our ideal client is always that we don't define it narrowly enough. Most Mm -hmm. of us, and this was certainly true for me, will define it as if you're a generalist. You are the general practitioner physician. I see all patients, young patients, old patients, patients in the middle. I discuss birth control with a 23-year-old and I treat uh, pediatric conditions and I consult with the aged. So that's a generalist. And most of us are generalists in our business. And we're generalists because I think, I'll speak for myself and some of you will relate. I used to think that if I appeal to all those people, I'll have more business. That Mm -hmm. might be true, but I won't have (laughs) great business, Mm -hmm. right? You might get a smattering of each of those categories, but it's actually the specialist who makes the most money. It's actually the specialist who is able to inspire clients to do exactly what she says because she's a specialist, so she must know right? If you've ever been to your GP and you say, oh man, I have this like fungus on my toe. um, And the GP says, well, it could be this or this. You don't maybe believe that person. And so you make an appointment with a podiatrist to find out what's really going on with your toe, right? Right. So I like that theory as well about, and that takes us to that sentence, which is beginning to um, haunt me about being a full service. Yes, you know, me too. Got me too, right? It got me too. I had to come to terms with the generalist in me. I yeah. wanted more work. In fact, I wanted all the work. And so I initially presented myself as somebody who would do projects large and small, big budgets, small budgets, one bedroom, the whole house. And I got a lot of customers. But it wasn't until I started getting really specific that in and was able to say, this is the type of project I want. And this is the type of project I won't touch. And then, of course, the hilarious part is the minute you say to a customer, sorry, this isn't a job for me, they will spend the next 15 minutes trying to convince you why you're the only one who could ever satisfy their need right so sometimes the most powerful tool we have is to say no like that is just not what I want to do and you just watch how people react when you say no I'm not going to take that job they'll try to convince you for sure there was a time when I thought okay I will not take on a small job and I won't do one room well I would I wouldn't like to do one room now unless it really meant that the scope would creep as we know um, can happen, but I would, you know, there was a time when I said I'll only do like a whole house. Mm-hmm. Well, only, do. but then 
I lost out on other projects which could have started small and grown bigger. Right. So the surgeon versus the practitioner, the the GP practitioner, it's it makes a lot of sense, but I don't think it's easy for everyone to get to that point where they say, I'm just a surgeon. No, oh, it's I'm... not easy. Nothing about this business is easy. In fact, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you're like, she's going to tell me the thing that's going to make this easy. I'm going to give you a big spoiler alert and tell you it's not yeah. coming. <laughs> this is a really yeah. hard industry. However, yeah. you can be paid handsomely for how difficult it is. You can actually make a huge amount of money if you're willing to do the hard work, but it's never going to be easy. Um, and it, you're so right, Mary Lou, when you say that, you know, it's hard for some people to be the specialist. So I always like to acknowledge that if you're new, if you don't have enough customers, of course, you're going to take every single job that comes your way. I did exactly that myself. But the sooner you can narrow down and drill down to your ideal customer, the more quickly you're going to become profitable. And then the word will spread. Once you get to be really specific, word spreads. So one of the transitions for me in 2020 is I want to start focusing on only country estates. We have a, a farm located outside of Toronto. I love working in that area. I've got great trades up there now. I can charge a yeah. premium all the people that we know up there, it's a second house or a third house. They're not there. So we do the projects and we're undisturbed by clients. It's just a, it's just beautiful. I love everything about working up there. And the That's more I feel Yeah, exactly. And the more I focus on that, the more jobs come my way. The easier it is for me to fill my pipeline. That's amazing. I could have narrowed my focus 15 years ago. I just didn't know I could. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I will take a small job. I will take a tiny fact I shared about the screen porch. We had one of the clients in the country say, I just need a new screen porch. I knew she was my ideal client. I knew that the whole house needed to be renovated. And so I showed up for a consultation just on a screen porch and it turned into half a house. And then now we're doing all the landscaping for the property and the rest of the house will do following the landscaping. So it it's for me, it wasn't so much about the size of the job as it was is that my ideal customer? Yeah, amazing. I know that's, that um, has happened to me as well. I think you have to kind of have a really strong intuition about, you know, that project when somebody says, can you please just do the front porch and then you end up with yeah. the whole house. Well, a strong intuition and a really good qualifying call, the person who answers your phone or if it's you, when you're interviewing that new client or potential client, the questions need to be very targeted so you get at the important information, right? Yeah. Um, Kimberly, what happens, you know, when a client comes to you and says, I want you to, you know, do that porch or whatever it is, and they say, but I just would like you to give me an idea of what it's going to look like. Um, you know, it could be a hand sketch on a plan. I don't want to go through the, in the beginning, the, you know, your fees, your contract, um, what, you know, can I just pay you a small amount to just do like some hand drawings? Do you find yourself being, I don't want to say less rigid, I don't want to use the word rigid, but do you say to the client, no, this is how we work. You want to work with me, this is how we work. You, you know, you're coming to my shop as 
as it were? Or would you say in some instances to that person, yes, we can do that because you know it's going to lead you into a job? So let me answer your question by asking you this. I am a surgeon. I'm a knee surgeon. And you Mm -hmm. need to have a new knee. And you come to me for the consultation. And you say, listen, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I want to go to you. Um, until I know exactly what my new knee is going to look like. And I want Mm -hmm. you to do a hand sketch of Mm -hmm. what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Is that surgeon going to drop everything and and (laughs) render your knee to show you where the scar is? No, you're going to follow that person's process because that person has done knee surgeries before and you haven't. And so what I need to be able to do in that moment is diplomatically say to the customer, I've been in business for 25 plus years. I have a 15-step project management strategy that I don't deviate from because it has proven to be the most effective, efficient way to satisfy my customers every Mm -hmm. single time. And so if we decide we're going to work together, there is a process. I don't want to rob you of the opportunity to enjoy the entire process. And what you're really vying for at that moment is not, you don't want to win the battle and lose the war. This is the, it is the war, right? You're, what you're saying is I'm the expert. Either I'm the expert or you're the expert. If I'm the expert, we're going to do it my way. And if you can't agree that I'm the expert at this stage, can you imagine working with that person later down the road? Yeah. Right? They're going to be trying to tell you how to do everything. So, you know, no, respectfully, that's not how we're going to work. And then at that point, 100%, I know I would say, we may not be the right firm for you. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, man, oh, man, if history is any indication of what's going to happen next, what happens next is the client will say, oh, no, 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 it's fine. I'm happy to do it your way, right? The minute you try to say, no, I don't think we're good for you, just watch how fast they try to convince you you are in in most cases. Yeah. No, you're right. I I get that. Makes a lot of sense. Well, and the other thing is we say to the clients, I won't deviate from the process because I know it works on your behalf. And I won't deviate from the process of renovating your house either. Mm -hmm. I won't Mm -hmm. take shortcuts. I won't Mm -hmm. cut corners to save time. I'll, I'll have the same rigor around every single person who comes into your home providing you with excellent work. I mean, who could really argue with that, right? Absolutely. Nobody. Yeah. Was there anything so, else about the Tim Williams call that you that you wanted to ask or did you get it all answered? Um, no, I just found, you know, like the other thing he said, magic versus logic, where he says the magic is like the design process and the logic is the management behind it. Um, I just like the way he defines things, you know, it's, I would agree that the, everything we do before the presentation in terms of setting the style, the tone, the selections, the sourcing, all of that Mm -hmm. is the magic and we should be charging a premium. The problem is when it comes time to give the client that flat fee, Mm -hmm. most people will choke and therefore not only are they not charging a premium, they're undercharging. Mm-hmm. There's a huge faction of designers, professional designers, 
who have a fee per room that they use. And -hmm. those fees are so low, you could weep. I know. I've tried that as well, Kimberly. I've done a um, a room rate and they're very low because when I, I... Recently, we completed a project where we um, were asked to do a living and dining room and an outdoor patio um, and pool area. So effectively, that's three spaces, um, or you could call them three rooms. If I had applied my room rule, I would be in serious trouble. What would your room rule have been? Tell Tell me what it was. Okay, so it would have been around um, $7,000 for a living room, around the same for a dining room. A kitchen could be anywhere from 15 to 25,000. This is Australian dollars, um, depending on the design of the kitchen and the, um, you know, the, the detailing that that kitchen required. A bedroom could be around $4,000. Um, a bathroom could be around seven to ten. Um, yeah, it just like the three rooms that I've recently completed. I think if I had charged twenty one thousand dollars as a fee to design, procure, and project manage, it would be disastrous. Okay, so. Can I tell you that your rates are so much higher than most people's rates? So right now someone's driving, listening to this podcast, and they have just pulled over to the side and they are sweating and wanting to throw up because often the room rates I hear are $3,500 for a living room, $5,000 for a kitchen, $2,000 for a bedroom. And so they end up with a $10,000 job that takes a year of their life and a client who just runs them ragged and so I'm begging you if you if you hear a coach tell you to charge a room fee I'm begging you to just stand up and leave find somebody new to talk to it's just no way to work there's just not a one-size-fits-all model and the truth is if I had to just do a living room only a living room, a living room with lots of detail, beautiful fireplace. Maybe we're going to do built-ins. We're changing the flooring, like a very extensive living room. I would have to charge $60,000 because I know it's going to be 10 months out of my life. And it's not easy to have the courage to say it'll be $60,000. It's just not easy. And hourly fees will save you from that. So it's not that I'm saying don't do hourly fees. I mean, don't do value-based fees. Absolutely. If you're ready, let's do it. But let us help you decide if you're ready or not. And and Mm -hmm. I can do that very quickly. There's just some questions I can ask you and to uncover your level of competence, your level of skill at pricing, all that kind of stuff. And if, if you can't get, if you can't convince me to spend that money, you're not going to be able to convince a client to do it, right? So one of the things we're going to do at the conference, actually, I just got off the the phone with one of my coaches. Yeah. We're trying to come up with a way to know whether or not you're ready with value, ba- ready for value based fees. Um, mm-hmm. Just a checklist. You're ready for value based fees if you do the following three, four things, and you are not ready if any of these apply. So just don't do it yet. We can get you ready, but just don't do it yet. 
Yes. And those room by room fees are disastrous. And it's, I mean, just imagine, even if you just did a bedroom, let's say your bedroom fee was $4,000, Mary Lou, how long is it going to take you to do a bedroom from start to finish? More than $4,000. Yeah. But in terms of a timeline, I mean, is it going to be a job that's going to be done in a week? It's not, I I can't put a time on it exactly, but I do know it's not going to take me as long as doing a living room. No, for dying. sure. But let's say you're going to replace, let's say you're going to replace the carpeting or replace a wood floor. You need a painter, you need an electrician. You need oh, to- you mean how much in time is time, it going to take? Time, yeah. So I'm not only me designing, but the person, the, yeah. the trade. Start okay. to finish. Yeah, no, that could take a couple of months. Oh my gosh. So. I, I couldn't do a bedroom in two months that required new carpeting and paint on oh. the walls and an electrician. Yeah. I'm going to say at least yeah. five months. Because you, first of all, you have to find out what you're going to do. Then you have to order it. You have to then wait for however long until it arrives because things are never in stock anymore where you live. They're somewhere else. So then they have to arrive into your city. And then you have to make sure the trades are available. And of course, they're not available this month. They're available the next Uh, month, right? So I I don't think we could do a bedroom for less than five months unless it was just new bedding, you know, fine. So $4,000, five months of your life. I mean, honestly, do the math. It just, it just doesn't work. So I hope that this public service message (laughs) reaching every design professional is heard and felt no more room fees. That's just bad, bad, bad. (laughs) I know, you know, it's, it's one thing valuing ourselves, but I think it's another thing for the client or clients to value a designer. I often think that we are undervalued as a profession because people want the help, obviously, they're doing their home or their office or whatever it is, and they want the help. Um, Some of them think that they are designers and decorators themselves. So they think that we can just facilitate, you know, their ideas. Um, But the, the thing is that, you know, I've been at a, client and not a client that went ahead but I had an interview with clients and they said to me I said I said to them what is your budget for this project and they gave me a number and I said does have you thought about it is does that include my fee the fee for the designer and they looked at me gobsmacked it's like in their heads they had I think they said something like two hundred thousand dollars to do what they wanted to do they hadn't considered past the renovation they hadn't thought oh we need to consider that the designer gets a fee or get some money for this yeah so probably the number was too low anyway without your fees but in future if i if i can make a suggestion i wouldn't ever ask a client does that include fees i would say so that's what you want to spend. And naturally, that does not include fees, taxes, shipping, freight, customs, etc. Like yeah. I would right away put it out there that, you know, because they're not thinking of those things either. Movers, I mean, movers are thousands and thousands of dollars to get an installation done. So always position it so that it you know, even if it's a big number, say, obviously, that obviously, that isn't going to include the following, you know, multi thousand dollar ask, Mm -hmm. Um, never ask them if fees are included, they're not, (laughs) they're not, they're just not. 
Mary Lou, this was a really good conversation and I'm so glad you reached out because other people were confused as well. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should charge hourly. I don't know if I should charge a flat fee. And the bottom line is it doesn't really matter which way you go. You're going to need all the tools at your disposal. Confidence galore, a good quality qualifying conversation, right? A really strong qualifying conversation. Um, The Mm. ability to ask for and get big dollars because it is going to be an expensive process. So let's all stop telling clients they can afford it. Everyone can afford a designer. No, they can't. And so let's stop that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, uh, of course, you're going to have to, whichever contract you use, you're going to have to deliver. You're going to have to deliver, deliver excellent value uh, and service to the customer. So there's really not a shortcut. Oh, bad news, right? You know, right before uh, the holidays, bad news. Yeah, bad news. I actually recently sent out a survey, Kimberly, um, to past and present clients as well as to the clients who I called potential clients. I know you say there isn't such a thing as a potential client. They are your clients if you go to the meeting. (laughs) I haven't yet established, I haven't learned how you do that, Kimberly, but anyhow. um, So I I sent two different surveys. So the ones to the people that didn't end up um, using me and only one person replied to that one. And she actually said that she regrets not using me because I had told her at the time what it would cost for her to renovate her apartment and furnish it. And she didn't believe me. She thought I was wrong. And she subsequently discovered I wasn't wrong. And so she regrets terribly that she didn't use me. And then out of the others that I sent out, um, eight, probably eight out of, 15 or 14 people responded and they said actually the most amazing things so it was really good to get the feedback two people said something about fees that of course we have to take on board but it's what we've just discussed so two of them said that well the one didn't like the fact that she was paying every month um, and she didn't know when it was going to end. So she found that difficult. She would have liked more clarity on that, you know, right from the start, or maybe like a monthly um, recap of where we were going. And the other person said that I doubled the, um, the budget. Um, and it wasn't really that I doubled the budget. It's that when she told me at the beginning that she had X to spend, I said, that won't cover what you want me to right. do. <laughs> in the end they did spend double but it wasn't like I don't think I doubled the budget I think that I was honest and they didn't want to hear it yeah I don't we're know. not that powerful people we we don't double budgets no we can't force like we do not hold up a gun and say you're going to spend three times that or I'm out of here and you're you're not going to walk out alive no we don't we don't do anything like that so that's interesting she's she may have a victim's mentality you know, she can't own yeah. responsibility for that. Yeah. So that's interesting. But how wise you are for doing the survey. What a great way to reconnect with past and present clients. I love that idea. Yeah. And I gave a present away as an incentive because I thought, what is going to get these people to answer? Because we all hate filling out surveys. Yes. What was the present? Is actually a bracelet with um, semi-precious stones and a few diamonds in it as well which I got from my husband, who's a wholesaler. Wow. So 
yes, the, the client who won that is away at the moment. She, when she gets back, um, I'll be calling her up to tell her that she's won that. She's That's crazy. so fabulous. What a great idea. I feel guilty now even asking you for design intervention because you just gave us a great one. Like get those surveys going, everybody. But yes, you know, we do like to end every episode with design intervention. What comes to mind? Okay, what comes to mind is that question of um, what was the best piece of advice that was ever given to me in design, and it was to employ staff even if you can't afford to. Why? And because it helps grow your business in such a strange way, but it actually does. So um, I put a lot of systems into place like over the last couple of years, plus I have two full-time senior designers, um, a bookkeeper, you know, instead of wearing every single hat myself, which is impossible and very stressful, um, I have delegated as much as I can and I plan to delegate a bit more next year um, so that I don't have to wear some of the hats I'm still wearing um, because as a designer, I'd like to concentrate on designing, but I feel like I do that the least yes. in my business. You do because it's 80% business and 20% creative. So you you do. Uh, but the, the beautiful thing is the 80% can be outsourced. Yes, it can. Yeah. It can be outsourced. I'm so happy to reconnect with you. Did you know I'm coming back to Australia? When are you coming, Kimberly? September. I think I September. Next September. September 2020 with Andrew is doing a retreat at Byron Bay. And we'll give you information about that in the new year. Uh, But I plan to be spending a few days in Sydney. So I'd love to reach out and go for coffee again. I can't remember where we went, but it was a cute little, we were in Spicer's Point, right? Spicer's Pot Point? Spicer's Street in Potts Point. In Potts Point, yeah. Oh, I love it there. I'm going to stay exactly there again. We stayed at the most adorable hotel last time. I think it was called Spicer's Pot. Was it? I can't remember the name, but I know oh, that I can. so cute. Kind of like yeah. colonial shutters on the outside, modern on the inside. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Oh, divine. Exactly. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you so much. It was awesome to spend time with you. Thanks, Kimberly. I've really appreciated it. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today 